You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Student Pastor Josh Barnett. Well, tonight we are going to continue our James study. Uh, This is part six. If you want to turn with me to James chapter three, we're going to get started. Very familiar passage. And actually, Tim was supposed to be doing this one. And uh, he thought he was going to be out of town, so he asked me to do it and then decided he wasn't going to be out of town. Well, the, the first thing I looked, and, and I had a sermon from like three years ago where I preached on this and was like, yeah, I'm ready to go, like I'm whatever. And then Holy Spirit convicted me about it and said, no, you're going to give them something fresh. So I had to, I scrapped that one and just went straight to the text and, and a lot of prayer. So this is, uh, this is hot off the press for you tonight. So <laughs> James chapter 3, let's read this and then we will discuss it. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses for it to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. That is intense. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out of both fresh and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So there's some tense language here about our words. But, (laughs) But obviously, you know, Our words are such an important topic. Talking is such an important topic because we do a lot of it. We do a whole lot of talking, so God is going to have some guidelines to what we can say and what we cannot say and how we're supposed to use our mouth. And so really all through Scripture, there is a lot of stuff on words. And I looked up a couple of statistics on uh, the way that we talk and and just thought some of these were were kind of interesting um, as we start this. But the average person spends one-fifth of their life talking. One-fifth of your life you spend using your mouth, using your tongue. And uh, if you took all the words that you said in one day and put them to print, it would fill a 50-page book. If you took all the words that you said in one year, it would fill 132 books of 200 pages each. That's a, like, that's a, that's a whole lot of words, you know. That's the average. You know, some of you could probably fill a whole library in a year and... And others of us might, you know, there might be a short poem that we fill in a year. But well, women, women apparently talk more than men. Uh, women use about 20,000 words a day while men use around 13,000. Again, that's average, but um, this one was kind of convicting, actually. Um, 60% of conversations are spent talking about ourselves, while 80% of the conversations that we have on social media are about ourselves. Wow. I also, it's... Words are weird to me because when you think about words, when you think about even what your brain is hearing now, I'm just up here making basically clicking noises with my mouth. 
sending vibrations through the air that your brain is turning into something that you understand. And I think that's, that's super fascinating to me. And it's really, really odd and really weird. But we live in a culture that's constantly talking, constantly communicating. Yes, text messaging counts as words that we say. Tweets count. We are communicating creatures. You know, it's, it's supposedly even if you don't talk to yourself, you're crazy. It's like, we think crazy people are the ones that talk to themselves, but actually you're considered insane if you don't talk to yourself, which is kind of weird. I don't know. It's, that's just what they say. I don't know. Who's they? I don't know. Um, but we talk all the time. Uh, talking words is obviously how we communicate. So here, James is going to use some strong words to show us how powerful our words are and how dangerous that power is if they're not handled in the right way. So tonight, I want to give you four powers that our words have, four powers that our words have that James breaks down here tonight. Number one, our words have the power to control. The power to control. And he talks about that in verses one through four. The first thing he brings up is, don't seek to be a teacher. You shouldn't you know, there's some caution that you need to throw up there before you seek to teach other people. Because you're going to be judged more strictly. And you know, why is that? Because our words can control other people. If you look at any great movement in history, any great movement in history, it's all centered around great rhetoric. It's all centered around excellent communicators. And when I say great moves, I mean good and bad. I mean, good and bad. Martin Luther King Jr. was a great, a great public speaker. And that's why he was the leader of that movement. Adolf Hitler was also a great speaker. And that's why he was, a, he, he had great rhetoric and he controlled people. He brainwashed people. And even, you know, even today, you know, the way that the enemy comes in and gets our nation to do evil things is he changes, he changes the rhetoric. He changes the way he changes what words even mean, right? You think about it, you know, a long time ago, like, a, you know, most of the nation was against abortion until we started changing the definitions of words. You know, that's not a baby anymore. It's a fetus. And so we change words and we begin to control what people think. And so it's really, you know, it's really dangerous. So James has given a, a clear warning to us all. Don't, you know, don't be eager to teach because you could really mess things up. You could really cause some havoc in the lives of people for centuries to come. I mean, th- you think about uh, you think about Muhammad gave speeches, gave what he got from the Quran, and he has deceived people for years and years and years and years now. You could cause havoc for centuries to come. And so he, he's warning. He, he's giving a warning for people not to necessarily envy being a teacher, and he's also giving. A warning, especially to those who are teachers. You know, I, don't envy this position because there's a lot of weight that comes with it. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with it. Like the pastors that stand here, the people that stand here and preach are going to be judged more harshly by what they say. And so that's why it's a scary thing. One of the things that I am in my office just like praying every time before I come preach, it's like, God, don't let me mess this up. Like, I don't want to say anything that's going to lead somebody astray. Like, I do not want to say anything that's going to wound anybody. And so, you know, this is a scary, weighty position. Teachers 
have the ability to influence the very direction and destiny of people's lives. How awesome and terrifying that is. That we, that, that when you teach someone that you have the ability to influence the direction of their life and the destiny of their life. That is awesome and terrifying at the same time. And that's why James is using such strong language here. <laughs> Jesus said in Matthew 18, it'll be better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself into the sea, buddy, if you're going to lead one of my kids astray. If you're going to lead one of these little ones astray. James uses two examples here in verses 1 through 4. The, fir- the first one is a bridle in a horse's mouth, a, a, a bit in a horse's mouth on, on how you can you control a horse. It's, it's fascinating that he uses this, showing that it's like our tongue. But in a horse, you put a bit in between. Tim, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's got front teeth, and then there's back teeth, and you put it in between the two sets of teeth. And a small child can sit up there and pull on the reins and pull this 2,000-pound animal wherever it wants to go. And James is saying, your tongue does that. Your tongue pulls your life. But but here's kind of what I got out of that is that that, that bit that puts pressure in the horse's mouth and pulls him which way to go, this has got to be our bit right here. This is the bit that we put into our mouth and nothing's going to come out of my mouth that's not from this word right here. No, everything, before, when it comes into my mind, I'm going to filter it through this word before it comes out of my mouth. I'm, I need the pressure of the word of God in my mouth to, to directly influence what I am saying because I could really destroy people if I, if I don't. So... Let this bit direct the words that come out of your mouth. Because what's going to come out of your mouth is, has the power to, to influence the people around you. And then he uses the rudder of a, a, a rudder of a ship. Also, this is the second example, rudder of a ship. It's fascinating to be, if you've ever been on a cruise, those ships are massive. Like it is unbelievable how huge they are with thousands and thousands of people aboard. And you're talking about this ship is a thousand feet long. And there's a little rudder back there. Less than, you know, probably 10% of the length of the ship, probably 5% the length of the ship. And they just crank those propellers on and they got a wheel and wherever they turn that wheel, that rudder makes this massive ship go through the water. And that's what James is saying. That's what your tongue does. It directs the course of your life. And he's also saying, if you're in a teaching position, you might be directing the course of a lot of people's lives. So you've got to be careful on what you say. And, you know, we're, we're all called to make disciples. And so really, we're all teachers in some way. And so we've got to watch ourselves. You know, if you're a parent, you're a teacher. If you're a coach, you're a teacher. If you're a boss, you're a teacher. If you're a Christian, you're going to be a teacher. Because you're going to disciple those, that, those in the faith that are younger than you. And so you've got to be aware the things that are coming out of your mouth. You've got to pay attention or you'll run that ship aground. Or you'll take that horse somewhere where it doesn't need to go and you'll end up getting it killed. And I love, I love verse 4. He says, And a small rudder makes the ship go where the pilot wants it to go, even though the winds are strong. Even though the winds are strong. Our tongues can lead us and others through resistance. Our tongues can lead us and others. What, what resistance? What winds is he talking about? I think he's talking about the tragedies and distractions of life. Even though the winds are blowing against me, I can gut, my tongue can guide myself through this. You know, I, I even see, you know, I'm thinking about Pastor Tim as an example. When the, when the winds of culture are blowing and the church doesn't know how to think, Tim is guiding us on how to make it through 
this storm and how to make it through what's happening around me, how, what's going on in your family. Your words are helping us get to where we need to be. Our words can guide people through storms. Our words tied with faith can actually calm the very storms that surround us. Our words tied with faith can actually calm the very storms around us. And, and you know, you look at people who obviously don't use their tongues right, and I, I think of the media a lot. How much does the news influence us? I mean, my goodness, like you, you've watched Fox News, CNN, something, anything the last few days, and like, what have you heard about? The coronavirus. I mean, my Lord, you would think like the whole nation had it and everybody was on their deathbed. And listen, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be worried about it. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray about it. But man, it's, it's not even close to Arkansas. It's not even, you know, this way. Absolutely, we want to pray for it. We want to see people healed. But they're talking about this virus. Ain't nobody talking about the flu. The flu's killed a lot more people. And it's in Arkansas. <laughs> but they cause everybody to get up in a panic. Why? Because that gets them, it's all about numbers. It's all about money. The news station, they don't care about you. They care about money. And when you turn their station on, guess what they make? Money. <laughs> they cause everyone to, you know, how, how crazy of a mess do, do, do leaders cause people to get in because they, you know, they, they tweet something out. We tweet things out but without thinking about it. How many times do we cause a mess because we put something on Facebook before we even think about what we're actually, you know, gonna, gonna cause? But how calming, how calming are wise and faith-filled words in times of crisis? Number two. Number two comes from verses five and six. Our words have the power to destroy. Our words have the power to destroy. This is where he begins to talk about our tongue is a small spark that can set a forest on fire and that our tongue is a world of wickedness and can be set on fire by hell itself. How quickly our words can burn down everything around us. How fast does a small flame turn into a fire that can burn down an entire forest? So our small tongues with a few words can wreak irreversible havoc in people's lives. Many people have serious, like psychological damage that takes years and years and years to get over just because of a few words that were said to them. That's how powerful our words are. And all of us can think of moments in our life where we've been cut deep, man. Like just in the matter of a few seconds, we have been cut deep and we've had to be delivered from those things. We've had labels put on us. You know, some, th some things I still like come up in my mind that like somebody called me something and I've got to fight that, that no, I'm not stupid. No, I'm not an idiot. No, I'm not what my whoever called me. I'm not those things. But how, you know, how devastating that can be and what that can cause a person to have to go through. So we have to watch what comes out of our mouth and what we say, you know, to other people. <clears throat> we have to be careful when things are said because we can't take words back. Once it's out there, it's out there. And so we have to be super careful about the way that we talk to our children, the way that we talk to our spouses, the way that we talk to our coworkers, strangers. We've got to be careful about the way that we talk to people because once those words go out, the damage is done and we can't bring them back in. We can't, so we have to be careful. <laughs> and, and the day and time that we live in now, we've got to be careful about what we post on social media. Yeah. Yeah. Say a prayer before you post something on social media. 
Like, take it to the Lord and, and you know, why, why am I posting this? Because you can easily destroy people's lives. Easily destroy people's lives. It, and, you know, a lot of research uh, says that it takes seven positive statements to overcome one negative statement. That it takes seven positive statements to overcome one negative statement that is said to someone. How, how does this, this, this small thing in my mouth cause so much havoc? It's crazy. It's, it's crazy how fast things spread. You know, I think about Moses and the, and the Israelites when they were going to the promised land that he sent the 12 spies in. And the 10 spies that came back, the report that they brought, the report that they brought back killed an entire generation. It spread like wildfire among the Israelites and God said, okay, because you've doubted me, now you're going to walk around in the desert until this generation dies off. Our words can infect an entire generation, can, start, can burn down an entire generation. How quickly do lies get away from us? How quickly does gossip get out of control? You know, I think gossip sometimes is one of those things that's a little overlooked, but gossip is evil. It's one of the things that God hates. It's sinful. It's, you know, it's an abomination. Uh, you know, we're talking negative about someone behind their backs. You're burning down their reputation. You're ta- and, and a lot of times gossip is something that's not true. It's like sometimes, you know, we hear it through the grapevine, you know, and then we got to know it's definitely not our business. But it's slander. It's running the other person down. And it's, it's running someone down that's created in the image of God. And when we gossip, we devalue human beings. That is what we're doing when we gossip. And many times we, we want to gossip because it's, it's like a, it like boosts our self-righteousness. It's like, oh, because like I want to hear about their dysfunction so it makes me feel better about myself, which is weird. And some people use it like, well, yeah, like I need to know so that I can pray for them. Like, don't do that. Like, that's weird. Like, no. <laughs> or we belittle somebody for a laugh and we've got to know it's wrong and it has no place in the body of Christ. If someone comes to you and starts with, did you hear about so-and-so? Say, I don't want to hear about so-and-so. Like, I'm, I'm good. I don't, no, I didn't, and I don't want to hear about it. Unless, listen, unless you have talked to them, and now you're coming to me so that I can help this person. Am I someone that can help this situation? Or are you just looking for a news story? Are you just looking for somebody to listen to it? We've got to be careful. We cannot indulge in gossip. We can't listen to it because it spreads like wildfire and it can go from person to person completely ruining the reputation of someone or their family. It, and it, it, it twists the way that you view people. Like I need to look at my brothers and sisters with love, but if I'm constantly hearing negative things about other people, it's hard for me to look. It, it, it changes the way that I see people, and I want to have God's perspective. I want to see people the way that Jesus sees people, but if I'm listening to people who are in the flesh talking down about other people, it has a tendency to warp our mind's eye about that person. How quickly our words can tear down those around us. How quickly can we just absolutely crush somebody just flat out destroy people with insults and and you know sometimes we do it in subtle waves i've been known to be a little passive aggressive in the past um (laughs) like sometimes we don't flat out just crush somebody but we belittle them in other ways like you ever been around somebody that's like they always got to one-up you right that's not good. Like that makes people feel bad when like you, you got to one up them in whatever, you know, whatever it is, or, or, or you've been around people where, you know, something good happens to you and, but they like refuse to celebrate with you. It's like they, they have something, 
you know, <laughs> I'll give a silly example, but like you get a new car and like you're telling somebody about it and they're like, yeah, that's going to cost you a lot of money in gas. Like, I can't believe that you would do that. Right? Like, I know that's silly, but it, we do things like that. We can do easily do something like that. Or, you know, you're around somebody that like always gives you their resume. It's like, okay, but, <laughs> but we passively aggressively, we, we can passive passively aggressively hurt people with our words where it's not like straight out insults but it's like these weird undercuts of like I'm not really like slandering you but I like I gotta be better than you and it just doesn't make people feel loved and it's just you know it's not good our words can can burn things down how many stories have we read and heard over the years where people have been bullied to the point of suicide of killing themselves I mean you could do a google search right now and find hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories where people have taken their own life because of just words words there is power of life and death in our tongue we literally can kill people with this thing and so we have got to be so careful about what we let come out of our mouth you've heard the old saying sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me that is a lie. <laughs> like words are the worst. I would rather you beat me with a stick than, than let that tongue cut me. Words can mortally wound us. They can cause us to view ourselves in terrible ways for a year, for a lifetime. When I was a kid, my mom always said, water off a duck's back. Y'all ever hear that? Just wa- yeah, I would come home like upset about something that was said to me. Mom, water off a duck's back. You just let it roll off. And I was like, I try it. Like it doesn't work that way, mom. Like they said something mean to me. Like it's, it's so, you know, it, it doesn't happen that easy, mom. And, and I think of things that were said in my own life that took years for me to get over. Like as a children, like children are so impressionable, so vulnerable. You know, and, and especially looking up to us like older people, like looking for affirmation from their parents or their leaders or their teachers. Like we got to be so careful when we are criticized or called names. I mean, you know, I I think back to, to a couple things that was said to me by my parents that, you know, we're all human, we mess up, whatever, I'm not judging them, but things that were said to me that cut me deeper than anybody else because that was my mom, that was my dad that said that to me and they think that about me? Like that's, that, that is more than scarring. So we, we've got to know, and, and parents like, you know, we know how devastating it is to have a kid come home that's been called the name at school or been made fun of, or been left out, had words said to him, it's devastating. You know, my son Judah, just a few months ago, he's four years old, and, and some little girl, I don't whoever, I don't know, was called him a name at kids' church. Didn't want to play with him and called him a name, told him to go away. I don't know, I don't know how it went down or whatever. You know, I don't even know who it was. Um, but it, it took him months to get over her. For about four months, he did not want to go to kids' church. It, it hurt him at four years old. That's that's kind of fascinating to me that at four years old we like that those things can hurt you know can hurt us so deep and and you know I I don't care where you put your kids in school I don't care where you have your kids in church they're going to get hurt right where there's oxen there's poop right where there's people there's going to be a mess right there's going to like thank thank the thank the Lord for Jesus that He washes us clean but even if you try to shelter your kids as much as possible eventually they're going to be exposed to the big bad mean nasty world so. There, there is an enemy on assignment that is trying to get us to question who we are, even at an early age, who is coming after our identity, and he does it with lies many times through words of other people. And that is why James says, your tongue can be set on fire by hell itself. 
that our tongue can be influenced demonically by our enemy and that we, we can use our Christians, we can use our tongues to promote the works of the devil when First John says that's actually what we're called to destroy. Very easily, it's so, so, so you know, how do, we com- how do we combat those lies? Will we combat those lies, those things that are, that are said to us, over us, to our children, to different people? We, we combat them with truth, right? You know, I had to walk, Ju- no, Judah, like, buddy, you're not a loser. You're awesome, bud. You're, like, you're the man. Like, you're great. And I just had to, you know, I had to talk him up every week on, like, it doesn't matter what people say to you. What o- the only thing that matters is what God says about you, buddy. And, and so that's how we have to, even in our own lives, we need people to tell us that. We need people to tell us this truth. And, you know, we've all got to step into a place of grace with each other. We are all going to say things that we don't mean. We are all going to get caught up in the moment. Or we're going to say the right thing at the wrong time. Or we're going to say the right thing with the wrong tone. Right? Tone, tone has cut me deep before. When it's been the thing I needed to hear, but it's like, man, that tone, like, you might as well have taken me out back and just beat me with a stick because that hurt, that hurt, like that tone got me. But we, we've got to step into a place of grace knowing they're a human being. I have said things to people that I don't want to say. We've got to be a, a people willing to turn the cheek. We've got to turn our cheek. We've got to forgive. We've got to move on. And we've got to come to a place in our faith and maturity where we don't get offended by every little thing said to us. We've got to get there as a mature body. But, but one thing we've got to do, I think this is a good thing to always ask ourselves as Christians before we, before we speak. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? That is a great filter before you say anything. Is it true? First important thing. And all truth can be said in a kind way. Is it kind? Is it necessary? In verse 6, such a harsh warning set on fire by hell itself. Uh, you look in John 10 and John 10, 10 is a very familiar passage where the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come to bring you life and bring it to you more abundantly. If you go and look at John 10, it's all about the shepherd and how the sheep know his voice, his words. And if you look at the context of John 10, when he says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he's actually talking about uh, false teachers. He's talking about false teachers come to kill, steal, and destroy. And how do they do that? With their words. And so we got to be really careful, not only what we say, but who we listen to. You see, the sheep, the, the sheep know my voice, but there's somebody coming who's, who's a wolf dressed like a lamb, and they're going to say things. And how, well, how do we know what truth is? Right? How do we know what truth is? And so we've got to know, <laughs> we got to know how to use our words that we're not cutting people down, that we're not stealing, killing, and destroying people. You know, Satan is a, Satan in Revelation, he's called the accuser of the brethren. When we accuse, when we slander, when we run people down, when we throw shame, guilt, condemnation on people, we're, we're actually spreading the fires of hell. That's not what we're called to do. Ma- uh, Matthew 6.23 comes to mind where Jesus looks at Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan. Because of what Peter said. And what Peter said kind of sounded like the right response. Like, no, Jesus, I'm not going to let anybody kill you. Like, it's like he's trying to stick up for him, and, and Jesus said, like, no, you're, you're speaking from your human perspective, and you've got to see things from God's perspective. <laughs> the, the, the last chapter in Ecclesiastes talks about how all of our desires will fail. Like, eventually, like, you know, we, we get to an age where every desire to do anything fades, but there's one thing that stays, this tongue. 
this tongue. No matter how old we get, it's always easy to manipulate, to lie, to gossip, to slander, to provoke, to destroy. Our tongues get easily corrupted, easily set on fire by hell. I think there's a reason that tongues of fire came upon the people at Pentecost. Because I think more than anything else that needs to be redeemed many times is our tongues. Is our tongues. More than anything, we have to watch what comes out of our mouth. You know, the, when Isaiah came into the throne room, when, when he saw God, the first thing they thought of is, I'm a man of unclean lips. I have said things that are not good. Like, I need, like, that's the one thing Isaiah was worried about. It's like this mouth right here. And so they come, the angel comes and puts the coal on his mouth to do it. But, you know, I believe just like our tongues, <laughs> just like our tongues are set on fire by hell, they can also be set on fire by heaven. The, the only thing that's actually going to cure our tongues is to be baptized by that all-consuming fire of the Holy Spirit. We need a greater fire to touch our tongues than the fires of hell. And, it, you know, it's super interesting just thinking about words and in, in things, I think about the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. The people are building a tower to heaven, right? To make the, they say they want to make a name for themselves. They want, to be, they want to be famous, and God comes down and confuses their languages, right? We all know that. Interesting thing that God says, though, is he says if they all speak in one language, there won't be anything they won't be able to accomplish. If they all speak in one language, there won't be anything. He says nothing will be impossible for them. Then you go to Acts chapter 2, and the Holy Spirit comes, tongues of fire, And what do they all start doing? Speaking in a language where everybody can understand. Nothing is impossible for a people that are speaking one language. And if we are all Christians, and if we are all all speaking the language of the gospel, if we were all lifting up the name of Jesus, guess what? Nothing is impossible for us if we can tame this tongue. So cool. So Words are so powerful. All right, we've got to move on here. Y'all are holding me up. Number three. Number three, that was my longest point, so number three, here we go. Uh, Number three, our words have the power to bless, the power to bless. In verse 10, he says, and so blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. So in this text, he's not saying that, you know, we should throw in the towel because he says, you know, you can't tame all, we can tame all these wild animals, but we can't even tame our tongue. Really what he's saying is like, come on, guys. Like, we can tame all of these things, but we can't control our mouth. And so he's not saying throw in the towel and give up and just let whatever you want come out of your mouth. No, he says blessings and cursings are coming out of your mouth, and that's not right. Like, we, we have to be a people that simply bless, that simply build up. We've got to use our tongues for the good works of the kingdom. Ephesians 4.29 says that we're only supposed to let things come out of our mouth that encourage others. We must use our words to bless, to build up to edify, to encourage. And you know, make, I, make a list in your head right now of people that you need to encourage. Maybe even people that you have slandered or people that you have thought negatively about. It'll, it's crazy if you start speaking positively to that person and building that person up, how God will change your mind and your heart towards them. So think of people right now that you need to edify. And, and many times, like if you, see, if you see people that you think are awesome, don't just think they're awesome, tell them they're awesome. People need to know. People need to be encouraged. They need to be built up in a positive, loving way. We can completely change the lives of those around us for the better, for the kingdom. We can heal the sick. We can call dead things back to life. We can see people saved and set free and delivered. With our words, we can change the very course of history. 
Our words have the power to create chaos or create order. You look in Genesis chapter 1, and God said, and what did he do? He brought order to chaos. And then you go to John 1, in the beginning was the word. Who was he talking about? Jesus. Jesus was the word. Jesus was the word. The word and the truth is both the person. It's Jesus. You want to get your mouth under control, go read those red letters over and over and over and over and over and over again. Get that word in your heart. Our tongue can be a flame and how flames can destroy, but how awesome it is when fire is harnessed and used for good. How awesome it is when fire is harnessed and used for good. How powerful your words become when they become bridled by the word of God. How powerful the rudder when the captain turning the wheel of the ship is Jesus. Number four. Number four. Our words have the power to reveal our hearts. The power to reveal our hearts. So the last couple verses here, verses 11 and 12, he's saying, does fresh water come from out of a fresh spring, do we get fresh and bitter water? Can, can a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't get fresh water from a, you know, a salty spring. So what James is doing here is he's turning us to the solution. He's turning us to the inside. He's turning us to where does the spring come from? What kind of tree is it? What kind of fruit is it supposed to produce? And all of those things, James is saying, it's your heart. Where your words come from is your heart. And he's really echoing Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 35, when Jesus says a tree will be identified by its fruit. In verse 35, he said, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil, evil heart. Luke 6, verse 45, same type of narrative, but Luke says it like this, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what is coming out of our mouth is always a good indication of what's in here. Of what's in here. Our words reveal what's in our heart. And I think that's why, one reason why words are so powerful. Because it's your heart saying to someone else's soul what you feel about them. And I want us to see tonight that it's actually the grace of God that our tongues expose us. It's God's grace on our life that our tongues expose us. Like, right? None of us need to know what we need to work on. Because it comes out of our mouth, right? Well, like you think you're a patient person until you have kids, right? And then what comes out of your mouth? Or like you think you're not an angry person until that person cuts you off in traffic on the interstate going to work. And then what comes out? They, so our tongues expose what we need to work on. Why? Because God loves us right where we are, but he loves us so much he doesn't want us to stay there. And so he lets our tongues be an overflow of our hearts so we can see where we need to be sanctified. We can see what he needs to continue to do a work in us. So ending with this, how do we change? How do we control our tongue? How do we tame it? We get our hearts fixed. It's the heart. It's not a tongue problem, it's a heart problem. We get in the presence of the one who speaks truth directly to our hearts. Because you can't fix your heart on your own. It's only by him. He's the one that changes us. He's the one that transforms us. And if we just try to like, you know, the swear jar's not going to work. 
There was one thing I used to do when I did when I uh, uh, did landscaping. And I was trying to get a hold of a hold of my tongue. I would have guys; they could punch me on my in my arm if I said a, a wordy dirt. They would punch me on the on the arm, and you know what? It didn't work. I just had really bruised arms, <laughs> right? Because out, outwardly, you can only control people so much. It's got to be an inward transformation. And so, what changed my mouth? was getting with the word Jesus and reading the word of God. That's what changed my mouth. <laughs> and, you know, how do we heal from things that are said to us? Same thing. You get with the word and he speaks your identity over you. He speaks truth over you and it washes away all of those things that people may have said about you. We change and heal by getting close to the truth and the word, and they're both a person, and that is Jesus. We get with Jesus, and he transforms our heart, which transforms our tongues. Our words are going to be an overflow of what we fill ourselves with. Our words are going to be an overflow. of what we. So what are we filling ourselves with? Are we listening to his voice? Are we listening to the voice of the shepherd? Are we reading his word? This passage is really serious. It's really serious, and I think it's trivial sometimes. I think, oh yeah, like I know, I, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't cuss, I shouldn't say that, I shouldn't, you know, call people names or whatever, I shouldn't gossip. I know those things. Now, th- this passage is serious. It's not about letting something slip out. It's about who you are. It's about where you're at as a heart level. That's why James ends it with verse eleven and twelve. He's like, "What kind of fruit are you producing in your life?" And he's look, he's looking at that heart. He's coming after that heart. If we've really been changed by God, we won't let constantly let evil things come out of our mouth. Things will come out of our mouth that build others up, that build the church up, that edify those that are around us and that build the kingdom of God. Y'all get something out of this tonight? Y'all stand with me. I'd like you to know, too, that it's 7.59. I didn't let you out on time last week, but I did tonight, so... <laughs> Let's pray. God, we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you came and shined your light on our hearts and made us new. Lord, we thank you that it was simply by someone sharing words with us, the gospel with us, that your Holy Spirit wrapped power around and it pierced our hearts so that we could be completely transformed. Lord, we are thankful that our tongues are powerful enough to shape history. We're thankful that our tongues are powerful enough to influence those that are around us. We're thankful that they are powerful enough to shape culture. But Lord, help us do it the way that you would do it. Help us speak life into this culture, speak life into those around us. You came, John 10, 10, to give us life and life more abundantly. And we get that life by hearing your voice. Let us then be an echo of your voice everywhere that we go, Lord. We thank you for tonight. Lord, be with us this week. Protect all of our members. I speak health over our body. Health over our body. Protection over our body. We speak health over our kids. We thank you for, God, we thank you so much for our volunteers that are helping in junior high and with our children tonight. Lord, we ask that you would bless them back a thousandfold for pouring into our young people, for loving them like you loved us, God. We give you praise tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. 
For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.